I think for us, it's about creating a hospitality environment where people feel valued, feel safe, um, and feel like they can grow and develop, not just within the business, but grow and develop as people. It seems that everywhere you go in Melbourne and now in Sydney, it won't be long before you come upon a Fonda Mexican. Uh, Today, our guest is one of the founders and owners of the brand, Tim McDonald. Uh, I I didn't even know Fonda was in Sydney until I was wandering around Bondi the other day and there it was. But Tim, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you very much, Danny. Thanks for having me. Give us the little 101 on Fonda. What's the backstory? Um... Well, it's the, it's the brainchild of an experience that I had in studying in America in 2007. Um, at the time, there was just sort of the oldest, stodgy Mexican restaurants in Australia, and I was just pretty blown away and inspired by the Mexican that I initially saw um, in America, how fresh and vibrant the cuisine and the culture was represented over there. So that was essentially the catalyst of the idea, and then myself and my business partner, Dave, just began a, um, a, a sort of a two-year process of putting the whole thing together, um, which involved a couple of trips to Mexico and working with some chefs. But because we didn't have – either of us didn't have strong hospitality backgrounds, it sort of forced us to keep the whole model on the menu pretty simple, um, which I think turned out to be a, a, a more of an advantage than anything else. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's really it. Yeah, right. And when you say simple – I mean, what do you mean? I mean, was it always the plan to roll it out, look, have more of a, a formatted restaurant? Uh, I think so. Yes, it was. We, we never wanted it to be really large-scale sort of franchise QSR, but I guess the, the opportunity that we saw was not just to offer and develop a, a sort of a fresh Mexican restaurant um, concept, but it was also to develop a concept that really sat in between fast food and fine dining. And obviously, we're not the only ones that have done that. But this, this restaurant model was just as much about that fresh, casual, great value um, restaurant offering, which was between fast food and fine dining, as much as it was around Mexican. And it, simplicity also extended to just keeping the menu fundamentally to Mexican street food. So tacos, burritos, quesadillas and salads, as opposed to getting, getting into anything that was overly complicated or required a you know a significant team of experienced chefs to 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 run so mexican street food again was just a was a cuisine that sort of lent itself to keeping things simple because it really is just a variation of tortillas filled with whatever it is rice quinoa beans salsa and, and veggies Yeah, I love it. And I mean, I I guess over the decade that you've been in business, the conversation around authenticity and who can make what has has definitely picked up pace. I mean, how have you sort of negotiated that whole idea of not being Mexican, but running Mexican restaurants? Yeah, really, really interesting question. When we, when we um, initially opened up, we certainly didn't profess to be uh, Mexican or we didn't even profess to be really experienced Mexican chefs. Um, we put a kangaroo burrito on on the soft opening menu. It was actually on the menu for the first um, year or so. And part of that menu item was actually strategically saying to our audience that we're not here trying to be authentically Mexican. We're here to where we can use locally sourced ingredients. We're here to be creative and it really is a, a bit of a modern Australian Mexican fusion. And that came that came with mixed response. But most people I think accepted and got the fact that we weren't trying 
to pass ourselves off or claim to be an authentic Mexican restaurant, which that, that may not be for everyone. So there are some people that are looking for a, a truly authentic Mexican dish. Um, there's plenty of great offerings out there for that. But we were conscious of it. Um, going back to your question, we were conscious of that lack of um, Mexican roots. And so we were also conscious of making sure that we didn't, um, we were clear in the fact that we weren't authentically Mexican and we weren't sort of passing off as it. So even the colour scheme that we're using, we're, we're a Mexican-inspired restaurant. I wouldn't call us a Mexican restaurant model and we just wanted to be really clear with, with that um, to our audience through our, our language, our colour, our tone of voice and obviously the, the menu and the ingredients. Mm. So... I guess as you've expanded, obviously you're employing more people. And I think the main thing I want to chat to you about today is the culture that you create at Fonda and and how you bring people on and how you look after them when they become part of the business. Can you give us an overview of the way you think about being an employer? Yeah, um, absolutely. This is probably the thing that's most passionate to me. The, The bottom line way that I think of being an employer is being very empathetic and cognizant of what I went through as an employee. When I was working in cafes and restaurants, even at the local supermarket as a, as a teenager and in my early 20s, I invariably had pretty terrible experiences from a cultural point of view. And, and my colleagues, it wasn't just me, I'm not claiming victim like I was singled out, but what I experienced and my colleagues from generally from management and, and unfortunately a lot of chefs that we worked with was, was pretty terrible, to be honest. And so I was really committed to, I think, proving to myself more than anything that it was it was possible to develop a, a restaurant business and, and a grow a restaurant business, but but maintaining whilst maintaining a positive culture where people felt safe and valued and and so on and so forth. Um, so that that's just a little bit of a background on on my experience, which wasn't which wasn't great and. Unfortunately, a lot of the people that do come and join Fonda, there still is a pattern of people having some mixed experiences from their previous employers from a cultural point of view. I think it is getting better. So it is something that's probably more important to us than anything else. Our name Fonda um, is a, a Fonda in Mexico is where a small home opens up as an unofficial restaurant. And something that was important to us was maintaining that family warm culture internally, which was a, a real reason why we chose the name Fonda and we still use Fonda and Mikasa Sukasa is, uh, you know, a, a cornerstone of not just our brand but, but our culture. So, and I think post-COVID that's become even more important. Um, there's younger people have a lower tolerance of being treated like crap and people are more aware of and seeking uh, a restaurant, op, you know, uh, or employment opportunity that, that has a, um, a, a positive culture than they were before. So how we do that is um, really through it's our recruitment is making sure that people that we're recruiting really do fit with the culture and stick to our values. Um, and we're, we're really big on that. And we've got a lot, we've got an internal um, award and reward system that's based on our values. Um, and we talk about this. We talk about the culture and we talk about leadership and communication and, and how you actually maintain a great culture very frequently in the business. So it's something that remains um, a live issue. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've heard that you do is a workshop style interview process and that that people get offered the job on the spot if they, you know, seem to fit. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that, that's 
just as much of um, a part of efficiency as in group interview styles as it is creating a format or a forum where people's values and character can come to light. So that that workshop style interview is it feels a bit less formal and people relax and through the interactive um, exercises that we run, it's pretty quick and easy to get a sense of who someone really is as far as their character, their attitude, their values. Um, so when we're when we're confident that we've identified someone that has the, the, the right attitude and and the character and values that fit fonder, we're pretty quick to to make that person an offer. We've just found that that group environment, yeah, brings out the the the, the, the truth and the, um, the the raw reality of who someone is. Whereas the one-on-one interview style um, recruitment processes, which still have their place and they're still effective, mm-hmm. they tend to lead to a bit more of a a formal um, atmosphere, and therefore people are sort of more likely to regurgitate answers that they've rehearsed as opposed to just being themselves. But what about the people who who, who don't fit and you see them in that group environment? I mean, does it tend to be self-selecting, like the people that fit, every, they can feel it and you can feel it, and the ones that don't, they sort of don't want to be there anyway? Or is it like you might have some shy kid that needs a few weeks to come out of their shell, but they just can't show it in that format? I mean, yeah. Well, it's, well, it's a really interesting question. So it's... Shyness is not necessarily a bad thing. So we don't just look for the extroverted, confident, funny, articulate person and give them a job. Um, I mean, some of those values that I just sort of described then are are things that we look for, but not always. It's not just finding the the loudmouth, um, you know, leaders amongst the group. There's a lot of different roles at Fonda that require different types of personalities and different attributes and characteristics. So we look at more... The values, so uh, more specifically into the values of, of people, so they don't necessarily self-select. And like any, like any scenario where someone isn't successful with progressing to an interview process, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. But we certainly don't deselect people that haven't been successful publicly. We make sure we do it um, in a very courteous, discreet way. But um, most, it's an interesting question because most people don't necessarily. Like the, the loud, confident, funny one that sort of thinks they're going to be a shoe-in to get the job and when they may not necessarily progress through the next stage, that can sometimes become a shock, be a shock to that person. But, you know, similarly, that shy person that hasn't said much, we may have identified some really great traits in that person and when they do get a job offer, they're a little bit surprised because they just assume that, hey, I'm the quiet guy, I don't usually, I don't usually succeed in these sorts of environments, I'm really surprised. But that, that's how it is. It's not just about the loud, the loud funny one that to, to, to get the job. Mm, okay. And what about learning and development? So when, when someone does come on board, how do you, yeah, I guess, get them up to speed with the, their role? Yeah, it's partly face-to-face training that we've got, but we've also got a, a like an, an, an internal intranet that we use to house a lot of the online training and it also tracks where someone's at with their training and development. Um, so it's a combination of face-to-face training and, and um, online. And we've really put a lot of effort into that program. We've streamlined systems and processes internally, which is the first part of making, a, I think, a successful learning and development program. Um, and the reason that we're really big on it is early on, we weren't great at the learning and development. And I remember early on, probably three or four years into the, the business 
we launched a, and a, I think it was an awards night or a drinks night that we were having. And I got an, an email from one of the, the team members, one of the junior team members at a restaurant in Windsor. And it said, it was just directed to me and I actually really appreciated the feedback. The email essentially said, Tim, thanks a lot for this um, invitation that I got for the drinks night. I'm really excited and it's going to be great. But I just wanted to let you know that there's some, there's some, there's a lot of really great fun stuff that Fonda's doing. But as far as an employee and our cultural engagement, but there's a lot of basics and fundamentals that aren't happening that are probably more important than the fun stuff. And she was spot on. We just sort of bypassed the, the, the fundamental things like a really structured, sound learning and development program. And we had um, prioritized drinks nights and awards night and so on and so forth. So what we realized was that the, the foundations of a culture start at getting that really basic stuff done. It's not about the fun stuff. That was a catalyst for us to really start building the, the learning and development program. And when we started building that, we also realized that we actually had to work out what the hell we were doing. We actually had to make a decision on every little micro step in the process of everything to do with a Fonda restaurant and make a decision and sign off on best practice. Um, and we realized that there were quite a few inconsistencies um, in what we we're doing. So it was a it was a good process. It took a long time and it's still, to be honest, it still is a work in progress and probably will continue to be. But um, it's been a really effective part most recently of, of having a strong culture and, and, and a, a level of engagement and retention that, that we're really proud of. That's that is amazing that um, that that employee sent that email. I mean, how insightful of them, and I mean, also great that you could take it on board and and saw saw the need to do something about it. Oh, look, I think most of the best ideas we've ever had at Fonda have come from our newest, most junior team members in the business. And we and I tell I host a little induction thing for any newcomers that come on board and I tell them these stories and I tell them because I want to encourage them to speak up and share ideas and share feedback whenever they they have it because we're all about making this a better place. And often those younger um, staff members that are that are fresh, they see things that we don't see. So that's just one of the many examples of a, a really good idea that's come from a junior team member. Um, uh, and as I said, most of the best ideas we've had have come from have come from that. And we we try to make sure that that everyone fostering and in, enhancing that culture of feedback, no matter what position you're in um, in the business, it's it's just a massive. We don't just do it because it's the right thing to do and it makes people feel good. We do it because it's the best way to run a business. Right. And what about once people are in and they've got the basics, like what about, you know, are there lots of opportunities for them to progress in their career? Yeah, so we've obviously one advantage of, and we've had a bit of a slow few years, but one of advantages, one of the advantages of being uh, a growing business is that there's often growth in roles and an internal development opportunity. So when you're building more restaurants, there's, you know, area leader roles that become available. Um, when you're building more restaurants, the the support office has to grow, obviously, as a as a function of that. So, over over COVID and even a little bit before COVID, when we didn't really grow, that was more difficult to keep people excited about the internal career growth opportunities within the business. And we did lose a few people over that time, which we sort of accepted was going to happen. But we've got um, we've got a few exciting new sites coming up for the. Um, 
for the business and you can just feel that excitement internally because people know that that means that, hey, I'm, I might be a, a team leader, but I really want to be a, a marketing coordinator one day. And if the business keeps growing, I'm going to be able to do that. Or I might be a restaurant manager, but I'd love to be a, an area leader one day. And again, if the business keeps growing, I'll be able to do that. So the key to that has been growing the business. And what we now realize is we actually, we're almost forced to keep growing the business because that's really the only way to, to genuinely be able to offer um, career advancements for people internally. So it's kind of, a, it's a little bit of pressure. feels like there's a little bit of pressure on us, but we kind of, we don't mind that. In fact, we'd probably like it really. Um, but it does mean that we, we do realize that particularly younger people that are very career driven and always wanting to grow and develop, people get um, bored and complacent. A lot of people get bored and complacent in the same role pretty quickly. So the pressure is on us and other employers to keep things interesting and to constantly make sure that there's opportunities for people internally to, to grow and develop. Wow. I mean, it all sounds very positive and, yeah, exciting. But I guess in whenever you've got a bunch of people together, there's going to be difficulties, whether it's, you know, some kind of people rubbing themselves, rubbing one another up the wrong way within the business or perhaps people have got issues that they're struggling with in their personal lives. What does Fonda offer when things are not going so well? Um, well, I think the first thing that we offer is a, a genuinely – supportive culture where we care about people and we want people to do well so that, that and that's that's just a fabric of our culture so when things aren't going well we don't make assumptions that someone's not trying we don't get angry and we don't take it personally but we a combination of we just objectively measure how things are going and we we sort of when things aren't going on track in a constructive positive way we we address those those issues and you're so right it often is something I mean, we've, everyone's got their ups and downs with physical health, mental health, relationship health, whatever it is. There's very few of us that live a, a very consistent um, life and often someone's performance at work is linked, to, um, is linked to things that they might be going through personally. So we're, we're, we're getting better at, and I'd, I'd now say we're, performance management is, a, is something that we do well and we do it in a really positive and constructive way. If it gets to the point where... We've identified um, that there are personal issues that, that are affecting someone, whether that's affecting their performance or not. We've got a, an employee assistance program where people can reach out and have, I think it's eight sessions or so with a counsellor that, that that are all confidential that the business pays for. Um, and and whatever, whoever that person is and whatever is discussed remains confidential between the counsellor and that individual. Um, uh and that's been particularly now in a time where mental health is one of the, if not the biggest social issue, um, and particularly is a hospitality business that hires a lot of people that are in that um, sort of age bracket that's most susceptible to mental health issues. Um, that's been something that's been accepted really well. We don't know the stats. Well, I personally don't know the stats of how many people have actually taken up that program up. But it's certainly there for people and, and people are, are made aware that that program is, is available. But that, look, that's the extreme end of the support. I think most importantly, it's about having a culture and having leaders and managers in the restaurant that, that support their teams and make their teams feel valued and important. Um, and as I said, unfortunately, so many people experience managers that are like 
outright bullies, unfortunately, is often the case. Or they may not be bullies, but they, they may not necessarily manage in a way that can be um, is seen as really supportive. And that can unfortunately exacerbate sort of mental health issues if, if there are any underlying issues like that um, within, a, within an employee. You mentioned you have awards nights and prizes for people. What are what are some of the awards that you give out? Are there any sort of you know left field ones? Ah, uh, there are. There's um, well, there's one around sort of. There's one award for each of our four values. There's one award on um, sales growth. There's one award on customer satisfaction. There's one award on the restaurant presentation, as in how well the restaurant is is maintained. So they're sort of they're pretty nuts and bolts. But but what what is most sort of touching and impactful about the awards nights is seeing the emotional response of people that are given an award is so touching. And what you realize is that so many people that are in their, you know, teens or twenties or thirties just don't get much recognition in life and seeing the emotional response. And by that, I mean, it's usually people crying because they're just so overwhelmed with being publicly recognized for, being whether it's the employee of the year or whatever it might be, seeing how meaningful public recognition is to people is is really touching for, for me personally as a, as a founder of the business, but it's also sad in the sense that I think it demonstrates how rare acknowledgement or how under-acknowledged a lot of people are in this world. And when you leave school or you might leave university, there's, there's actually – it's, it's, it's quite few sort of opportunities to be acknowledged for anything. So in the workplace, it's, it's one of those few environments where we can offer someone some acknowledgement for doing a great job or improving. And, and the value of, of doing that for us is, is just massive. Like we do it because it feels right. It's in line with our culture and values. But even the people that don't win awards on awards night, seeing their colleagues win awards and seeing us as a business genuinely acknowledge those people – I think it has a really strong positive impact for them. They just like to see that they're part of a business that is acknowledging. Um, and a lot, there was two or three people in the last awards night that got employee of the year for two or three of our restaurants that their English was very broken. They hardly spoke English. And they got up there as employee of the year for that restaurant and they were just crying. And it was so good to see that happen. But for their colleagues to see them being acknowledged and seeing the pride and the joy that their colleagues had in seeing them be acknowledged was was almost just as touching. Wow, that's really, really powerful, Tim. I love it. I've got tears in my eyes as well. Um, yeah, so how many employees do you have around about? Oh, uh, I'm going to say 250. Okay, because, I mean, I'd love you to share any insights for people who have smaller businesses. You know, so many people that listen to this podcast either own or work in, you know, single um, venue businesses, you know, they, they wouldn't have the back office that you've got. You know, what kinds of insights can you share? What, 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 what can people do when they're working at a much smaller scale? Yeah, look, the first thing I'd say is I, I don't think you need the back office to do this well. So the first thing I'd say is be confident that even if you are a single operation with a very small team, it is absolutely within your reach to be a very solid employer from a, from a cultural sort of perspective. The one thing that I notice a lot, and I was guilty of this absolutely, but the one thing that I notice um, quite a lot of people get wrong like we did in the early days is just getting the basics right. People just want to know 
how to do their job. They want to be made clear what mop to use to mop the floor, which coffee cup to use for a large cappuccino, how to turn the grill on. And I often see smaller businesses overlook um, giving people just that very basic training. And you can be the nicest person in the world and have a really fun, jovial, joking culture, but when people are constantly second-guessing how to do the tiny things on every shift, it actually gets really stressful. So just getting the basics right of clear instructions for everyone on how to do each particular process um, is, re- is really, really important. And then I think um, a, lot of it, a lot of it just then comes down to basic sort of humour interaction and trust. Like if you've got a new employee – the first thing any manager should be doing is just take them out for a coffee, get to know them. Just say, tell me about yourself, tell me about your life. Are you, are you in a relationship? Have you got pets? Where do you live? Just actually showing someone that you care about them as an individual um, before anything else is really important and can be really, really valuable. And it helps you build that trust and build the relationship with that individual, which in turn will really help you managing them successfully. So you might need to give them feedback um, at times or you might need to um, have a stern conversation about something. If that person knows that you trust them and that person knows you genuinely care about them, often that feedback that's required to be given will be received um, quite well. If they know that there's that trust there, they know you've got their back. When negative feedback is received poorly, it's usually because the person receiving the feedback feels like they're not cared about or the person giving the feedback um, hasn't earned the trust of the receiver. So sometimes just building the basics of a, a, a human relationship with someone can really set up the relationship, not just personally, but set it up so that professionally you can have a successful relationship with them and manage and lead them well. Mm, that's yeah that's so clear and very actionable yeah really really love that Tim so I mean you've you mentioned that even as you founded the business people and culture was I guess at the heart of what you wanted to achieve but obviously staffing has become a very urgent crisis for just about every hospitality business I mean do you feel I mean, obviously you style yourself as an an employer of choice. I mean, is it working? Like, how are you going for staff? Yeah, I would say it is working. We we can always do better. I'll never say we are the employer of choice. I'll never say we've got it. We can always do better. We're going okay for staff. One thing we we did, in fact, early on, as I said, going back to the, the, the start of the podcast, Dave and myself didn't have a strong hospitality background. We were forced to keep things simple and be clever about systems and processes that that we were using. And so we've continued that where we've, long story short, we've tried to make running a Fonda as easy as possible, whether that's kitchen or front of house, it doesn't really matter. We've used, if there's a a piece of equipment that automates something or makes it simpler or easier, we'll do it. If there's a bit of training software that makes it easier, we'll, you know, um, engage that bit of training software. So the first thing I think anyone could do in an environment like this is try to make your business as least reliant on people as possible so that things are easy to do and things aren't complicated and then you can focus on hiring people for cultural fit, hiring people for attitude, hiring people for their character. Whereas if you've got a highly complicated business model, 
you're inevitably hiring for their technical skill set. And when, when there's a labour shortage like there is at the moment, that just sort of exacerbates the, the problem. So by automating and streamlining your business as much as you possibly can, you're essentially just allowing yourself to focus on hiring for attitude and character as opposed to hiring for, for technical skill set. And it may actually mean you don't need as many people as you thought you did. So a business that been running, a cafe that's been running with a team of 20, if you really put your mind to it, you might be able to streamline things and get away with running with a team of 16. And all of a sudden, you don't have a labour problem anymore, not because the labour market's changed, because you've got a business that runs with less humans um, as a result of that sort of automation project that, that you may have gone on. Mm. And what actually was your background? Um, I was a well, I was a student for like nine years, then I was a lawyer for about five minutes, and then we started Fonda. So, <laughs> okay. so I, I didn't, I, yeah, I did a commerce law degree, but I, I did that law um, traineeship graduate thing, but I'd already sort of made my mind up that I was going to open Fonda before I started that. So I was just there to get a stamp, which has been absolutely useless since then. Um, uh, but I, I did it. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, and my business partner was a fireman. And we're, we're extremely opposite in the way that we work and think. We're like yin and yang. Um, which is part of the reason we've been successful. If, if I went into business with someone like me, we'd be absolutely stuffed. And if my business partner went into business with someone like him, they'd be absolutely stuffed. But the, the strengths and weaknesses of the two of us have been um, pretty complementary, which, which has been really lucky and we've been fortunate to have that. Mm. And you mentioned, I mean, this whole conversation, I feel it's been about values, and, but you did mention the four values. Um, what are they? So our four value, the first value is um, Mikasa Sukasa. So live Mikasa Sukasa, um, which is about my house is your house, which is essentially treating Fondarians like their family and treating guests like their guests in your home. The second value is proud of our product. So being not just proud of supply chain, but looking after the restaurants, looking after the furniture, making sure that the product that you're plating up is something you're proud of. And if it's not you know, redo it. Um, the third value is uh, create and innovate. So that's just about uh, constantly thinking outside the box, looking at um, different, uh, looking at different ways of, of doing things. Always challenging the status quo. Just because something has been done a, a certain way um, uh, to date, um, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way to do it. And the fourth is make an impact. So that's just about taking responsibility for what you're doing and knowing that anyone in hospitality, whatever your role, you can have such a big impact on someone's experience. And we all know that a great hospitality experience, even if that's just a takeaway coffee, can be really great, a really great part of someone's day. And a really poor hospitality experience can kind of ruin someone's day. So even the finest little thing that you do, whether you're on the dishes, on the grill, at the front till, wh- wherever you are, you absolutely have the ability to make or break someone's experience and really make an impact. So that's just about people feeling like they've all got a responsibility of, of um, their role, no matter how big or small it is. Mm. Well, maybe let's round off the conversation like this then, Tim. I mean, how do you, what do you feel is your impact? What are you trying to do? Um, really good question. I think, 
I think for us, it's about creating a hospitality environment where people feel valued, feel safe, um, and feel like they can grow and develop, not just within the business, but grow and develop as people. I, I keep coming back to those really terrible experiences I had as a teenager, and that sort of scarred me. But instead of being negative or bitter about those experiences, I've tried to turn that into a positive and, and through what I do every day at Fonda is prove to myself and other people that you don't need to scream at people if they've done something wrong. You don't need to make someone feel bad if they've made a mistake. Hospitality businesses, we're in hospitality. We should have a great positive culture and people that work for us should feel um, excited to come to work. It doesn't have to be um, sour or negative. Um, And as long as we're doing that, I feel that I guess I'm doing my bit. Love it. Well, it's really great to get an insight into the way you run the business, Tim. Really appreciate your time. And I'm sure, yeah, everyone that's listening will have, um, yeah, have some insights and possibly some actions that they can take out of it. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. No worries. Thanks for having me, Danny. That was fantastic. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.